The following episode contains themes that may be distressing to some audiences. See our show notes for a full list of content warnings, as well as links to transcripts. It is said, not every obstacle that's faced can be overcome. But nothing can be overcome if no obstacles exist. Such obstacles have tested humanity's resolve through all of history. Be it by luck or grand design, sometimes we pass the test, other times we fail. But despite those failings, we persevere and are reminded of the frailty of our being and the facades we wear in spite of it. What follows are the events that marked the end of the Long War and the beginning of the Age of Azuria. The story begins on Arcus, a planet mired in existential threats. Home to both men and supermen, Arcus's gods are as real as its inhabitants, who walk on soil as broken as their spirits. This is the madness of Chartrullian. Episode 1, The Starbringer Gifts. Artademus soared through the cosmos, his final destination the source of all things. He had reached such a velocity that his mind's eye perceived the creation and destruction of entire galaxies, the birth and death of entire civilizations happening in the blink of an eye a display of celestial fireworks that no single expression of beauty or horror could encapsulate. Free of his body, Artademus was limitless. Long had his being journeyed through time and space, learning all that there was to learn. At last, it was time to face ultimate authority, the star maker, Jar. The immensity of the cosmic being was impossible to comprehend, even for Artademus. Jar was the culmination of three cosmic minds, Jardika, Jardikai, and Jardestra. As Artademus approached, he could feel all three energies, distinct yet unified, focus on him. 
he called out. I have come to join with the collective consciousness of the universe. Your journey has been in vain, Archidemus. It's not time. What do you mean? I have lived out my mortal purpose. Chartrullian has unleashed abomination. Now, it threatens to destroy everything we have built together. Unless you intervene. I can no longer influence terrestrial matters. It's up to him now. No. Go back. Guide him towards the true source. As you perceive time, this, this is, is the least path. Watch, and you will see. Come on! The row are closing in from all sides now. Hundreds of them. It's too fast, guys. Really fast. Where is our backup? The cowards never showed up. We're on our own. I mean, they realize there's only nine of us, right? Am I stupid? Where are your generals at? They refuse to deploy. Chance for losses is too high, so they're returning to the defensive line. You have to get out of there. Sorry, Admiral. We don't have that choice. We're in it now. We're completely boxed in. How do we get out of this? Guys, it's time to show them what we can do. We need to interlink. What's our target? That big one. If we can take that out, the rest will lose confidence. We're all here. If we don't push our limits, we're all going to die. Now's not the time for mercy. It's us or them. Remember that. Let's go. Fire. Control! We can't. It's like it's acting on its own. truly can you stop this calamity? I can try. Artidemus's eyes opened to the sight of the low stone ceiling of a tomb. Beyond the open door, on the far side of the antechamber, a blizzard of acid snow raged. The antechamber was illuminated by amber light. A caretaker was there, crouched over a table containing a myriad of clay vessels. Incense danced through the air and filled his senses with unwelcome life. <coughs> 
You're awake? How long have I been in the void? Almost ten years, I think. What a waste of time. You can't get up. You're supposed to be dying. A slow death is one you can outrun. We return to Idrica. You're too weak. What? I am not. Help me get dressed. You've returned. I've endured 180 years on this planet, and still haven't earned the right to die in peace. What's happened in the world since I left? A great deal. And some things that may not please you to hear. You should regain your strength first. Now, no need for that. I've rested long enough. What of my successor? The Yatruvian Messiah has denounced the Jardejo Order and chosen the path of abomination. He was exiled and returned to Idrica for a time. Where does Idrica stand on the matter? We stand with the Messiah. Where is Chartrulian now? In Simitu. He's unlocked the secrets of Azuria and used it to build weapons powerful beyond measure. Predictable. So the long war is finally ending. Not quite. The Rao are sending an envoy to Arkas to negotiate the terms of peace. The end game is uncertain. Are they to be trusted? Time will tell. But even without their presence, Simitu is ready to rip itself apart with senseless infighting. The Starbringer King has broken with the Order. With luck, Muldoro's tyranny may be coming to an end. Finally, some common sense with these fool Starbringers. That's good. But I sense a great tragedy. Yes. The war bore heavy losses on both sides. Chartrullian's bane issued a great deal of damage. That's not the tragedy I'm referring to. Nine sons and daughters of Jardakai were involved in the incident. They were the ones who unleashed the calamity. Shan is with them now. It's unclear whether they can be helped. What is it? This is a black swan on a cosmic scale, Yulia. The Starmakers themselves are concerned is why I have returned. We have to try. What could we do? We wait. Chartrullian will come to us when he's ready. It's up to him to set Arcus on a path it can endure. All we can do is guide him when he's ready. As if someone is standing over me. Shazam. 
each exhale crashing into me like a wave of terror. But it's just me standing here. It's the darkness that moves inside of me. In the stillest of moments, I can feel it creeping through my extremities like hungry vines. And the vines are obstinate, like a cancer. They feed on the light that gives me power. What remains of that light is faint now. Soon there will be nothing left at my center but a black hole. And I'll just be a man, weak, plagued by madness, forced to watch helplessly as everything I've built crumbles down around me. The foundation on which I've built this empire of mine is weak, Astraeus, Azuria. I was never meant to exert myself in this way, to force destiny upon itself, to harness this much power. The cost has been etched into my very flesh, sir. I may very well be Arcus's invisible companion used to my, my own undoing. Life may be unenduring, but our potential is limited only by our paradoxical nature. The fight to live is constantly at odds with a tendency to self-destruct. So which will it be? It's no longer up to me. I may have put this path in motion, but... I'm just the catalyst. I could withdraw from the world, but would risk abandoning those who suffer because of my choices. I cannot. And so the choice is clear. If I'm to correct these mistakes, I must become something different in my final moments of clarity before this madness, this berserker, consumes me. Charchulian paced the observation deck of Astraea's spaceport, brow furrowed in deep, silent consternation. Looming high above planet Arcus, the deck offered a stunning view of the world below and the cosmos beyond. Charchulian's gaze, however, was fixed upon a single object off in the distance. Arcus's sister moons gazed back at him like an odd pair of eyes. And between them, an almost infinitesimal speck of light, an approaching ship. Charchulian wasn't the only one on edge. Reaching to the left and right of Astraeus, Arcasian battleships formed a defensive line in anticipation of the Rao envoy's arrival and any surprises they might bring. The man who would play host to the envoy was Yoba, Chamberlain to House Starbringer. Ah, there he is. The Superman in his natural habitat. Whatever remains of him. Still as dour as ever, I see. Give me an auspicious occasion, and you might find me in a better disposition. Is 
being reunited with an old friend not sufficient occasion? It is good to see you, Yoba. A long time has passed, hasn't it? I'm not sure if seeing you like this makes me feel younger or older. I have little nostalgia for our seminary days. Those were tumultuous times. I'm liking the beard, by the way. It complements your black aura. <laughs> and you are turning grey. Uh, well, us lowly life forms don't age as gracefully as Etruvians. <laughs> Look at all this. Such a crazy ordeal. It doesn't sit well with me. We're supposed to put on a show of confidence. Haven't we already done that? Mm, no, we've shown them power. The rest is up to diplomacy. We won. Just let them leave. They're stuck here unless we can help them leave. We have to learn how this type of diplomacy works while we still have the advantage. But why receive their envoy? Tell me what other choice we have. You forget that I have seen the future. So you say. But what exactly would that look like? I think I deserve to know. You might see firsthand if this ends badly. Oh, that's just pessimistic. Is this one of the paladins? Havalian, at your service. Lieutenant Havalian. He's recently promoted. Right. Sorry. Uh, I can't get used to the formality. Chamberlain Yoba at yours, Lieutenant. Havalian is my protege. Is it rude to ask how old you are? Uh, I'm 16. Oh, goodness. So young. <laughs> King Starbringer has something big planned for your division. Looking forward to it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm ready to head back down. You're excused. Are all the paladins around his age? They are. Certainly some bright futures ahead. Yoba's eye was drawn toward a small interceptor in the ship bay below. Is that one of the nine? This one is called Niven. Are all the ships named after the mystic saints? How boring. The paladins name their own ships. Havalian just happens to be more of an old soul. The ship whirred to life and began to levitate. Its rotating engine and gun modules undulated, sending waves of heat through the hangar. It turned in place, and was gone. What exactly happened that day? I keep hearing conflicting accounts. Chaos. What's your side of things? There is no side to pick from. We were under pressure. Should have demanded more time. There was no time. That's a bone of contention. The generals set us up to fail, and it almost worked. And many of them lost their ranks over that. Which puts me in a very uncomfortable position. Well, whatever happened out there, it was effective, nonetheless. Our part of the war is done. Hopefully we can all move on. By the way, any chance I could get a primer on Lapidin's little summit? <laughs> Astraeus' resources are stretched dangerously thin. Ah. We need to make a case for future development. That should be easy for the most powerful man on Arcus. You would be surprised. Azuria. How strange a thing. Energy plucked from thin air. 
That's one way to belittle our accomplishments. Just tell everyone how rich it will make them. For my part, I would rather sell them on substance. The world doesn't work that way. You either lure them in with riches, or scare them. Well, I'll go with scare, if pressed. Yes. Well, so far everything's still on schedule for King Starbringer's little surprise. He and his children are returning to the capital as we speak. What is he wanting to do, exactly? Astraeus is still a closed facility. You are war heroes. Don't tell me you weren't expecting any pomp and ceremony. The Admiral's Summit should remain our first priority. Whatever else should offer little in way of distraction. Well, my guest lists do have a way of growing on their own. I make no promises. Keep it small. I'll do my best. Oh, before I forget, this is for you. A letter. A little old-fashioned, but that's his style. An invitation to... Oh, no. Oh, yes. Speaking of foolish acts of confidence, King Starbringer is hosting a banquet as a prelude to negotiations with the Rao. I won't go. But you're invited as a guest of honor. The last thing I want is a public life. You'd be missed. I highly doubt that. Not so fast. There's also this. Someone trusted me to deliver a gift. What is it? A brooch. You're supposed to wear it on your lapel. That's not what I meant. Who's it from, and and what do they expect in return? I've been sworn to secrecy. But a special lady hopes you'll wear it. That won't change my mind. You can't hide behind your work forever. Oh, yes, I can. You told me you need resources. Here I am, extending you the gift of my inner circle. Everyone who can help you will be there. All the more reason to stay far away. Look, I get it. But please, just come to the party. We've even picked out something for you to wear. Of course you have. I'm well aware of your penchant for black, and that will never do. Rao envoys approaching. Well, time to go play welcoming committee. Thanks for letting me borrow a stress. Yoba, I... <sighs> See you at the party. Chartrullian began his long descent to the surface the sole passenger on board a glass elevator. A great tower connected Astraeus's upper and lower counterparts. At the top of the tower was the spaceport, situated in the planet's stratosphere, an almost garish monument to Arcus's technological accomplishments. Hundreds of smaller structures like it spanned the horizon, great pylons drawing lines between the Earth and the cosmos. The elevator was in a race against the setting sun, adding an element of serene beauty. As it broke through a layer of haze, the sprawling capital city of Simitu showed itself. The metropolis was dwarfed by the purple mountains and expansive salt flats of the Blighted Valley. The neighboring city of Kalu peeked through the haze from an even greater distance. Retaining walls fought back against the caustic environment that encroached upon Arcus's last great cities. That familiar nagging sense of unease couldn't touch Chartrullian in the air. 
and the elevator gave him a rare window of silence in the midst of chaos. But seeing the whole landscape at once made one fact irrefutable. The planet was running low on things to give its people. The elevator finally touched down in the middle of a large compound. At its center was Astraeus Labs, where Chartrullian lived and worked. He paused, breathed in the evening air. Something small and sharp nagged at his hip. Then he remembered the brooch in his pocket. This is no ordinary gift. Nothing that could be purchased, to say the least. Had I recognized it sooner, it would not be in my possession right now. The trinket was a simple design made of pure silver, depicting two moons eclipsing a translucent blue stone carved from Azurium Lunestra. It was a salt crystal with bioluminescent properties that glowed azure blue in moonlight. It was especially reactive to Jardeo energy, which was sacred to those, like himself, who had the ability to harness it. Because of this mystical property, Jardeho energy, the mother of all energy, was called Azuria. Controlling it in the physical world was the cornerstone of Chartrullian's work. But the brooch's symbol was a warning sign to any Jardeho with a trained eye. It looks harmless, but the message it sends is not. Dual totality, during which the very fabric of our planet quakes. In Jardeho, it is a harbinger of chaos. It would not be put into my hands lightly. The giver knows me. My insecurities. My fears for the future. My curse. Arcus's sister moons watched him through the salty haze that drifted in from the flats. The brooch radiated brightly as he held it up to the night sky, comparing the phases of the moons. I may be able to demystify this right here and now. I relax my mind and summon the void. Here, I am no longer bound by the laws that govern the material world, and my superman is free to roam through time and space, so long as the power of the collective consciousness flows through me. The Azurian is the key to the gates of perception, the edge of existence. I have only to open them, and the future will unfold before my mind's eyes. Maybe I was a little overconfident. My body has yet to recover. <clears throat> and until it does, my energy is limited. If I wish to satisfy this curiosity, I may have to brave the banquet. On the day of the banquet, Astraeus bustled with last-minute preparations. The nine were arranged for display, but in an exploded state. Technicians swarmed them, a sea of parts and work carts littering the area. Chartrullian's head was buried in one of Niven's control panels. An engineer hovered nearby, 
nervously shifting his weight from one foot to the other and flinching at every little noise. Here is another problem. These need to be replaced. Get all the ghosts out yet? Man, we are crippled. Come on, it's temporary. Once that's done, go ahead and close up. Yes, sir. Did you tell your friend what really happened? I said only what was relevant. If we can find the problem quickly, there will be no reason to involve Yoba beyond that. This doesn't seem like a problem we can solve in a rush. Rushing's what got us into this mess in the first place. We've not been given much of a choice. These people want to see the ships, and let them come see the ships. But I have no intention of entertaining them further. Still fly, don't they? No one is flying anything until we have a better handle on the problem. Can't we push the summit back until we have some real answers? No. It would be obvious that we are hiding something. But we are. If we have to bury the truth to buy time, then so be it. Will you go find the others? I think they're hiding from you. Yeah, I would too if I could. You've been an absolute madman. You know, it's not beneath all of you to clean. I don't understand how all this salt even gets in here. Have you looked outside? Yeah. No soldier takes joy in the mundane, but you'll have to get used to being grounded. At least for now. Admiral Labadine, are you leaving already? Of course. Tonight's the banquet. Are you going or not? Um, I don't know. How could you not know? There's too much to do here ahead of tomorrow. Well, since I'm a lieutenant and all, I think I can make sure it all gets done. Oh, finally accepting the new title, I are we? I never had a problem with the title. Just everything else. Oh, Sorry, Admiral. Save some of that combative energy for tomorrow. You're going to need it. Can we please focus on the dilemma at hand, which greatly concerns my dignity? Should I go or not? It's not about you. It's about Astraeus. Exactly. You're being melodramatic. My involvement in this war has been very polarizing. Here we go. One public misstep from me could compromise everything. I'll be there buttering up the Warhawks ahead of the summit. They aren't what bothers me. Director, a package just arrived for you. From who? The Capitol, I think. <sighs> Leave it outside my room. Ah, uh, not so fast. Give it here, Borsha. Uh, but- Don't you dare. Dare what? Damn it, Valian. Oh, no, would you look at that? Oh, no, 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 no. What's wrong? Not your style? I don't have the energy for this. <laughs> what a beautiful suit. You're kidding me. Oh, it's so rich in color. A bit too rich. Oh, and look at this embroidery. Such immaculate gold threading. You must be joking. Don't you just love it, Chartrelli? I guess it didn't come in black. Give me that. Hey, hey, hey. He's obviously messing with me. This is the gaudiest thing imaginable. I can't wear it. I, I can't even look at it. On the contrary. Capital Gallus can be a spectacle. This is very in style right now, and somewhat on the conservative side. <laughs> you can't be serious. What are you wearing? What I'm wearing now. Why? Borsha, no. please, take it, burn it. Make something from it. I don't but care. it looks so good on you. Please, just try it on. I really can't tell if you're joking. I guess you... Definitely have to go now. You think this is funny? Come on. Let the young lieutenant finish up in here. Go get ready. Oh, Jardeo, save me. Chartrullian's apartment was small and spartan. Despite having occupied it for several years, he never bothered to add any measure of comfort. The only furnishing was a low bed. A large mirror leaned against the far wall and a mat occupied the floor directly in front of it. 
He had requested that his workbench and several carts be relocated from the lab to his room. Even the bed had become an odd collage of tools and personal effects. Chartrullian ignored the mess and stood facing his reflection in the mirror. Unruly dark curls cascaded across his forehead. His beard itched with newness, and a web of dark scars covered parts of his back and chest, forking like lightning. He traced the darkest lines with the tip of his finger, but knew the worst of it was on the inside. More wounds to heal. Though damaged, this vessel still looks vaguely like a man. But whatever humanity there once was, can I find it again? Or has Jardejo killed that part of me? That part of what am I? The last time I was in a crowd was the day of my exile. All the people of Simitu had gathered in the streets to exacerbate my humiliation. They called me an abomination. Abomination. Monster. But it wasn't the words or the stones that they threw that cut. It was the realization that I could hurt. And I could, I could hate. Hate. I could hate. Everything I did was for them. But they were blind. Will people tonight remember me as the monster? Or am I different in their eyes now? It may take more than this technicolor frock to disguise what I really am. am I? At least there are things in the craftsmanship that can be appreciated. I don't understand this kind of frivolity. I never imagined being capable of stooping to this level. Lying. Pandering. Begging. Have any dignity left? No. Sorry, Yuba. I will come to your party. But I will come as the Abomination. I own it. Chartrullian set Yoba's gift aside, revealing a seemingly plain black suit with a high collar and translucent piping on the chest forming the symbol of Jardejo, a modern parody of temple fashion. The detailing was made from elytra, a nanotech fiber made right there at Astraeus. Like the brooch, it became illuminated when worn. It complemented the jewel very well. Chartrullian dressed, fixed the brooch to his lapel, and returned to the mirror. He half hoped to find a new man but his reflected self was still a little unhinged. I stray not from the path in the shadow of fear. It's in darkness where I find my strength. Jardejo, guide me. This is going to be a disaster. The Madness of Chartrullian was created by H.M. Radcliffe. Original music by Sean Renner performed by Sean Renner and the Invoke String Quartet, narrated by Michael De La Mancha, starring Odd Andrews, Christian Collado, Kathleen Klein, Adam Neal, and Reginald West, and featuring the voices of Margaret Ashley, Boyd Barrett,
Chris Bellinger, Maximilian J. Contreras, Maxine Dumaine, Delvin Green, Dallas McKenzie, Alyssa Murakami, Nick McHugh, Karen Neal, Nina Nikolik, Israel Omodi, Josh Portillo, Sivan Raz, Kieran Reagan, Ty Wilkins, and Willie Zepp. This has been a Pacquiao Media original production. Visit chartrulian.com to learn more. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.